0: Thank you so much for joining us here at Word Baptist Church. I'm Jamar Andrews, I'm the lead pastor, and I get the great privilege of shepherding here. I'm excited that you're joining us today for this sermon. You're about to receive text-driven preaching. My prayer is that God speaks to you through this time as you listen to this message. So enjoy and God bless. to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to spend our time together uh, as we continue our series uh, entitled Church on the Move. Uh, We have been working our way through uh, the book of Acts and we are now settling in uh, nicely in chapter 10. We started out uh, last week looking at uh, the Apostle Peter and uh, we were introduced to a man named Cornelius a Gentile man who was a centurion, a soldier uh, employed by the Roman government to make sure he keeps the peace. And uh, he was a leader of 100 troops and a man of influence, wealth uh, and power. And um, so we saw last week just the impact that the Lord uh, is seeking to have in his life. Uh, But we have been able to see this over and over again through the book of Acts as we've been working our way through we have seen God do some tremendous things, some tremendous works. And uh, the reason why we are in this particular book uh, and in this particular time, other than I believe it's where God wants us to be, is uh, to be able to be encouraged by our past, encouraged by our history, understanding where we come from. And I believe a God, who was a God then, uh, he's the same God now and he'll be the same God tomorrow. And we can see God work, move and have his way in our lives if we be willing to submit uh, to him. And so today, uh, we're going to see the continuation of what we started last week. Uh, if you remember, uh, an angel had appeared to Cornelius in his time of prayer and uh, given him instructions to uh, reach out to Simon Peter uh, who was in Joppa, who was staying with a man named Simon who was a tanner. And uh, the Lord uh, had been using Peter uh, to authenticate the movement of God. Uh, If you remember, Jesus told him that uh, Peter, he would have the keys to the kingdom. And in having those keys, uh, we have seen him be involved in sharing the gospel uh, with the Jews there on Pentecost, where 3000 came to faith in Christ. We saw that uh, when the Samaritans had received the word, Peter, he goes and he visits. The spirit of God comes upon them. Uh, We see now uh, with the Gentiles, God is wanting to uh, authenticate his work among the Gentiles, showing that the same God who works Uh, with Samaritans and works with Jews, also works among Gentiles. And so we are uh, seeing God work and move. And so last week we talked about the fact that the Lord uh, is seeking the lost, like he is working in their lives. He is challenging them, calling them and moving. And uh, so we need to be ready uh, for God's preparation in our own life. And we need to be guided and directed uh, by him today. Uh, we're going to see the continuation of those barriers being broke down, broken down. Uh, The title of today's message is uh, Grace for Every Ethnicity, Grace for Every Ethnicity. And uh, we're going to see just exactly what all that means. So I hope you came ready, buckle up, uh, because we're going to have a good time. But uh, we're going to see in two movements that I believe that God would have us to join him in the work that he's doing Uh, in uh, two major ways now that's not the only way we're gonna we're gonna see several but two major ways the first is uh, I believe he's calling us to show genuine love uh, regardless of background regardless of somebody's background regardless of where they've come from what they've done where they've been who their parents are I believe God is calling us to have a genuine love about us when it comes to the people of this world uh, to be able to see God work and move in, in lives secondly We're going to see that we have to be willing to share the message of hope in the living God. That this is not just a kumbaya session where we come in and we hug each other and we pat each other on the back. But ultimately, there is a message that God is desiring us to share. There is a way in which he is wanting our conversations and our communication to go. And uh, we're going to see uh, a textbook example today uh, in the life of the apostle Peter. And so uh, I hope you've had an opportunity uh, to find uh, Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read our first section and then we'll unpack it. And uh, we're going to roll through. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 23 says this. And on the next day, he got up and went away with them. And some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter, entered, Corn- when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up. I, too, am just a man. As he taught with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask for what reason you have sent for me. Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. Now then we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commended by the Lord. The first thing we're going to see is that we have to show genuine love. Now in the text we just read, we get, the, many of the cultural uh, overtones, sometimes when you read things in the word of God, you don't necessarily see that the struggle or see the issue. But right here in this text, it clearly lays out for us uh, what the situation is. We have a Jewish man, Peter, who is now sitting uh, going to a Gentile man's house, not only just Cornelius, but did you notice what the text says? He brought everybody there. He's, his relatives, he had, he had his relatives and his close friends. Well, I, that that excites me. But before we talk too much in detail about a few things, I want to just highlight something. Did you notice the time frame? Whenever you open up this section, the Bible tells us that the next day that Peter he got up and went with the brethren. Uh, with some of the brethren to, uh, from Joppa to Caesarea. Now, last week I told you that uh, Joppa, uh, from Joppa to Caesarea is about a 30-mile distance, 30-mile journey. This is about a two-day two journey. They're not riding in cars. They're not, you know, getting the, the luxury of those things. And so this is a, a, a two-day journey. So the, the individuals that Cornelius had sent were taking them two days to get to, to Peter he, they stayed the night with him. You remember he invited him in Simon's house, whatever in his house, and he invited him on in and said, come on in here. And then they left that next day. And so another two, two days journey. And so when he gets there, the reason why I know that is because uh, Cornelius in recounting uh, to, to Peter, he says, listen, four days ago, I, I had this, this, this uh, visitation by this man in the shining shining garments. And so I just want to highlight something real quick here. The fact that Peter, he takes the he takes company with him as a witness, but also the timing. You see, a lot of times we want God to do things right now. Like, God, you should have did this yesterday. But can you imagine having to wait four days? This angel visits you. And for four days, you don't even know whether or not he's coming to see you. And a lot of times, timing wise, we're expecting God today, do it today. But can I just tell you, if nobody's told you just to encourage you, God is not on our timetable. You, you know, sometimes in the church, we'll say, uh, God, you, you, you are a, you, you right on time. Right. And, and I agree. But ultimately, he is not on our time scale. Not on. Our, we, he don't look and say, oh, y'all wanted me there by noon. Thank you for telling me. That's not how this works. He's God, not us. And so as we work through this, I just want you to see God's work and movement in in this situation. But I also want to just highlight the fact that Peter did not go alone. Everybody catch that? Now, some, some of you might say, well, maybe he was afraid, like when they got there, they were going to jump on him. So he took a few boys with him just in case they wanted to get frisky in that. Right. We don't necessarily know that. And I, I don't sense that that's the tone here. God had already uh, given him a vision, so he didn't have to be afraid for his life. But I do think it's important that he did not go alone. And whenever it comes to us witnessing to this world around us, can I just tell you, you don't have to do it alone. A matter of fact, let me just give a little pastoral encouragement that you shouldn't do it alone. You shouldn't witness to this world alone. You should not uh, try to do this by yourself. This is a team effort. We come in here as a team. So whenever you think about seeing people come to faith in Christ, uh, why not invite your lost folks, the lost friends, the people you know, why not invite them over when you're going to have several saved friends in the house? So just by the very sheer numbers game, you can have enough salt in the room that everybody can hit them at every turn, no matter where they go exposing them to the word. But nonetheless, we have to show genuine love, genuine regard. The way in which we do this first is by being humble. If you're taking notes, I just want you to jot that down. We have to be humble. And can I just tell you, these two men are, are, are humble in their disposition toward each other. If we're going to reach this world around us, We have to have a a Christ like humility in us. And if we're not careful, we can sound like the world around us. We are mad and spitting and cussing and fussing like everybody else. But I want you to notice this. I want you to notice the humility of these two men. Let let me just read the interaction uh, starting in verse 24. Number one. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. Y'all see that he was waiting for them. And after he waits, notice he brings the relatives together. Notice this, verse 25, when Peter entered Cornelius, he met him. And what did he do? He fell at his feet and worshiped him. Now, that's a problem. Just for the record, if you didn't know, that's a problem. We're going to straighten it out. But can you imagine you had this Roman soldier, a centurion now, and he is bowing down at this fisherman's feet? Y'all don't think that's kind of (laughs) odd? But but, but notice what, what... Peter says to him, Peter can be like, ah, yes, you have heard of me, huh? Yes. My my my, my reputation, it, it precedes me. That, that's how he could, the attitude he could have had. But, but Peter knew better. He knew better. He told him what he said in verse 26. Somebody help me. Stand up. I, too, am just a man. Did y'all catch what he said? All the preaching, thousands saved, miracles. Before, before he came here, he brought Sister Dorcas Tabitha back to life. God used him. Did, did y'all understand? Did you see here just the humility? He going to be like, yeah, you know, it. you better get there and stay down there just a little bit longer. Thank you. But he does not do that. This. This, this, the humility that is there is so important. And I think we have to remember this. Can I just give you a word? Proverbs 29, 23. Let's look at it together. Proverbs 29, 23 says this. A man's pride will bring him where? Lo. But a humble spirit, what will it do? Attain honor. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing that's happening here. But I think also I just want to make a quick assessment of the difference between power and authority. You see, when you look at these two individuals. The one who has the power, the one who is in the position of power is Cornelius. He's the one that's the soldier. He's the one that's in Caesarea. If you didn't remember, Peter, he moved and he came to Caesarea. And so just from the outside looking in, it's it's appearing as if Cornelius is the one who is in the position of power. But here's the thing. Peter is the one who has the authority and authority is not given by rank or by prestige or by money. It's given by God, that authority. And so P- P- he, he has the authority. Uh, listening to a podcast, James Dobson, a, a, a few months, maybe a month or so back. Now, I can't remember, but he had a brother named Chuck Colson on there, and he was talking about the difference between power and authority. And he used an example. He used Mother Teresa. So, like, like everybody in here pretty much going to know who Mother Teresa is, right? Did, did she have an elected office? No. Did she carry around a strap on her? No. But, but when, when you think about power... When you think about somebody who could come in and change things, you don't necessarily see her as, as that. But somebody who has authority to change and transform lives. That's the difference. That it's a moral state in which God gives us in righteousness and we affect it out as we live our lives for him. So we not, might not be the top dog at the company. We might not be the one at, that's at the top that everybody knows our name. But that does not mean that God cannot give you the authority to be able to carry out his will and his plan. And we have to recognize that as believers. I don't think we understand the authority that we carry. You, you remember, but Joshua can, can I just just for one second, Y'all remember Brother Joshua, you remember what God told him about his feet. What did he tell him? Every place your feet touch. What did he say? I didn't give it to you. It's already yours. So can I just ask you a quick question? Whenever you go to your job or whenever you whenever you go. Uh, To school or that locker room or whatever as a believer, as a saved individual. Are you trusting and believing that God is with you, that wherever your feet are touching, he has already given you the authority because you are connected to him to be able to see life change and transformation. Or are you just there like everybody else? We just happen to be here. (laughs) We forget the authority that we have by virtue of being connected to the Lord. And Cornelius, he recognizes this. He recognizes this and he bows down, which is a problem uh, because as Peter said, listen, I'm just a man. We don't we don't worship. We worship Jesus. You hear what I'm telling you? He is the only one that doesn't mean we don't have people that we enjoy hearing from or or people that have influence in our lives. But we are worshiping one individual. You see, he reminds us that humility toward God and each other. Is what's so important, but we only worship the Lord. Now, I want you to notice what happens. After he tells him this, verse 27, as he talked with him, notice as he entered and he found many people assembled. Did everybody see that now? There were many people in the house. They were similar. Verse 27. And he said to them, he said, you yourselves, y'all know I'm not supposed to be here. That's a contemporary. Tra- y'all know I'm not supposed to be here. Y'all know it's unlawful. It's unlawful for for a man, a Jewish man to associate with foreigners. Did you catch it there? He said, yet God. Everybody catch that right there. But God, yet God, he has he has communicated to me. I'm not supposed to call any man. I'm not supposed to call any man unholy or or unclean. God had changed his convictions. God had changed his mind. God had changed the way in which he was thinking. You know. Can I just ask you a question? It's the same question I asked myself this week. When when was the last time you were somewhere or with a group of people that uh, most of the world around you think you shouldn't be with? When was the the last time? You know, and I I know uh, that this is an important piece here because he's saying, listen, it's unlawful. It's unlawful for me. I'm not supposed to be here. But God showed me, you know, for us in our day, you know, we are being pushed to care so much about what people look like or where they live or what they do. But can I tell you that is that's not God. That's not of God. Can I give you an example? Y'all with me? Okay, I just want to make sure now y'all better stretch. First Samuel. First Samuel 16, seven. I just there's an important piece here. that, That tells us about the heart of God. The context of this is Samuel is is responsible for anointing the next king of Israel. And I just want to let's look at this together. And he goes in and Jesse's boys. He's showing all off his boys. You know, Jesse has some boys now. And it says this, he, he, he gets to this point, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his what appearance. Everybody see that? Or, or at the height of his stature. And I always say, praise the Lord for that. Because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. Everybody, everybody with me so far? God sees not as man sees. Well, how do man how do we see for man does what? Looks at the outward appearance. Everybody see that right there? We make all kind of assessments. All kind of decisions. Because we look at the outward appearance. God is looking somewhere different though. Let's just see what the text says. But the Lord looks where? At the heart. He's looking at the hardware. He's looking underneath the hood. He knows what's going on. And so I love that. In this passage, Peter is saying, Listen, my mind has been changed. I, I've been, ch- I see things differently. And so I, that's why I came to you. I didn't, verse 29, I didn't even raise any objections. I said, Yep, I'm going. Now, can I just say to you before we break this down uh, even further? You know, when I think about the, the, the struggle of what's going on in our world, the world is trying to solve these issues, race and Class and gender. It's trying to solve all these issues without God. Can I just tell you, it is not possible. I don't know if y'all agree with me just yet, but our, the world around us is trying to do it apart from God. They try to put you in all these seminars and have you had have assistive training, all these things. But I'm just telling you, it's not going to be done without God. You see, can I tell you, the world around us, they don't think we are smart enough to notice the difference between attention seekers and authentic people who want to see change. See, what we're hearing about all the time and from is all the attention seekers, the folks that want the attention but we, we see and know the difference between people who just want attention and people who really want to see change happen. Because the people who really want to see change happen ain't got time to argue with you on the phone. They ain't got time to be going back and forth shooting stuff to you. They too busy in the trenches changing and seeing lives changed. I don't know if y'all hear me just yet. I'm, I'm just telling I'm backing up. We coming at it again. What they don't recognize is that we know the difference between symbolic and substance right now in our in our lives right now we are being told to focus on the symbolic you you better wear this or take this picture or post this thing or say this thing that's all symbolic stuff that's not it we know the substance of it We're, we're gonna see here in just a minute there's a passage about Jesus that he's gonna highlight here that I think this should be the model of our lives but we know the difference Between being pandered to and being told, given all these little symbolic trinkets here and there, that's not changing a thing. We know the difference. And what I love about Peter is he knew the difference. He he recognized and understood God had met him and he had changed his conviction. And so now he has his behind inside a Gentile's house. It wasn't just enough to talk about it. He understood. He was going to have to walk for two days to go get it done. It's mighty quiet. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know just yet. We're going <laughs> to get it, though. I, I know that I, I'm, I'm pressing hard because I want us to recognize God's plan for change has not changed. His plan for change has not changed the way in which he seeks to see people's lives change and transform. He wants to take people who love and know him and connect them with people who do not know him. They're sinners. I know we got some folks been in church. They said, well, preacher, well, what about uh, a passage? I'm going to pull that up. Y'all read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. I know somebody got their quiet time and they they thinking about this passage. Preach, you keep telling us about connecting our lives with unbelievers and making sure we salt and light and rubbing and going and going. And, but what about this passage? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness or uh, what harmony has Christ with bow or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever or, or what what I mean, has has the agreement has the temple of God with idols for we are the temple of the living God just as God said I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be what? Separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the who? Lord Almighty. I know y'all thinking, I read that preaching. That's telling me look, we don't need the food. We don't go over there. Is that what that's saying? Oh, hear me now, because we're going to get an example here in a minute. It is saying that we should live separately, meaning our lives should be distinctly marked different than the world around us. But he is not talking about geographically isolating ourselves out. From the people. Remember, God Himself, whenever He was moving with His sinful people, the the, the fire by night, the cloud by day, like this, the God, this is who we are dealing with. He has not changed his mind. Jesus took on flesh 30 plus years, 33 if you want to get it, lived among sinners. So he is the model. So what does this mean? That means that we live separate. We live differently, distinct in the the world that's around us, and we are calling them to come and recognize their need for Jesus Christ. Can I give you an example? Can I preach my Lord just for a second? Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. I'm going to need your help. Because can I tell you, Jesus just rearranged all the Peter stuff, and I'm I'm hoping he's arranging us in here. You ready for it? Here we go. As Jesus went from there, he had always been preaching, teaching. Notice this. He saw a man called who? Matthew, y'all know that brother, don't you? What was Matthew's occupation? Tax collector. He was sitting in a tax collector's booth and he said to him, what did did Jesus say to him? Now, notice this. He didn't say, now, when you quit that job, now, whenever you get all this stuff together, then I want you to come holler at me. Okay. the brother was sitting in the booth. I didn't say it. What does it say? Matthew, he was sitting in the booth. He said to him, follow me. What did Matthew do? The only thing you're supposed to do when the Lord gives you a command, he got up and followed him. Now, catch this. Then it happened that as Jesus was doing what? Reclining at the table. I told you I'm going to need your help. As Jesus was what? Reclining at the table. That, That meant he down there having a good time. He ain't, you know, trying to get out real quick darting. He enjoying himself. He's reclining at the table in the what? House. Behold. Somebody say it with me. Many. (laughs) Many tax collectors. And who else? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Many tax collectors. And who? Sinners. Came and were what? Dining with. And who else? Did y'all say and his disciples? I didn't write this. Okay. Now catch it now. They were with Jesus and his disciples. Let's keep rolling. We ain't done. Here, here, here come these bus. When the Pharisees saw this, they were so excited, right? They said, what? Ain't hey, this is so good? No. Wrong translation. They said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? <laughs> but when Jesus heard this, He said, what did he say? It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are. Somebody better know. But go. And learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous. That means the self-righteous. The person that think they all got it together. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but the who? The sinners. That's good news for us. Because that's exactly what we are. Now, can I just say to you? When when we can we just application just quick. I got to kid. I got to go fast. Quick application from from Peter. We see him go. We see him connect with Cornelius. He allowed God to change his conviction, his perspective. He allowed him to do so. He was willing to do the work. He just didn't talk about it. He actually walked two days to be able to connect and to realize what God was doing. He didn't learn that just on his own. He saw the master get it done. Okay. He saw Jesus. He saw Jesus model this for him. Now I'm going to ask again, because I had to ask myself the question, Like, when was the last time you visited the home of an unbeliever? When was the last time you had an unbeliever? You know, they don't love the Lord Jesus and they were at your house on purpose. When was that? When was the last time? Intentionally we did this. I'm just this is not, I'm not getting on us. I'm just saying to us, I think that's a word for us to understand that God has for us. We see that He was willing to connect. Can I just say, practically speaking, number one, if we're gonna be about the business here, we gotta be willing to invite unbelievers into our lives. Now, the goal is not that we start acting like them. I please don't make me have to say this more than once. Okay. We want to live in such a way that they recognize their need for him and they begin to act like him. The goal is not that we get right on the line and acting sinful and foolishness and thinking we can win the world by the world doesn't work like that. And we want to make sure we we recognize. And so I'm just pulling out just saying to you, this is a a a momentous thing that is happening here. Gentiles hearing the good news. Peter is going beyond. We have to be willing to invite them in our lives. You might not you might be like me. I don't know about them coming to my house just yet. I don't know about that. Well, let's go to lunch first. What you like? I give you three options. Let's go eat there. And you start there. Hey, but you got we got to start somewhere. And we cannot allow skin color, nationality, income, education, and beliefs to hinder us. Maybe you say, Man, they are Muslim. All the better. Just don't get no nothing with the pork. Just go somewhere, you get some chicken or something like that, okay? Just be aware. All the better, because I'm telling you, we read it last week. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of who? Christ. That's how it's coming. We can't we cannot give this to anybody else. It's nobody else's role. Now, can I just tell you, it might be difficult. So do me a favor. Will you do me a favor and pray and say, God, will you change me like you changed Peter? Will you do a work in my life like you did in Peter's life, my mindset Maybe I'm struggling with something. Maybe I'm afraid. Maybe I'm angry. Maybe I got things in my past that I had to deal with people from a particular background and group and it didn't go well. And I'm still jaded by that. God, do a work in my life. Help help me to understand and see this, but do a work in me so I can preach the good news and be faithful to you. Can I just say one other thing? Y'all don't seem too disagreeable. Uh, When you look at what happens, Cornelius shares. What happened to him in verses 30 and 31? And then 32, he tells us he sent for him. But I want you to catch verse 33 because it's easy to go past this. Then we're going to look at our last point. I'm going to close. Verse 33 says, so I sent for you how? Immediately. Everybody see this. I sent for you immediately. Listen, when God, when he communicating, hear me, the time between when you hear what God is calling you to do and you do it. All this is opportunity for the devil to talk you out of it, for you to talk yourself out of it every second. So can I just encourage you immediately do what he has told you to do? But catch this now. Says this and you've been kind enough to come look at look at the construction. Now, then we are all here present before God to hear all that you have have been commanded to tell us. You, You hear that? Can I tell you one of the things I love about World Baptist Church? I love coming here and I love preaching because I believe y'all want the word. Y'all came in here like them, ready to hear. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that uh, good pastors don't, good good pastors don't, Bring in good church members, that's good good church people. Nope, it, it's the other way around. God brings in the body of Christ. He works in the body of Christ, and that encourages the pastors, the preaching, the teaching. It flows out of that. Y'all's prayers, your time in the word, your excitement, your willingness. That is what, that's how this works. Now, I'm hoping it's a two-way street every now and again. But ultimately, the way in which this works is it, we work together, and it's coming outside of the fellowship, the body, and we move. And so do not stop. I'm just trying to encourage you. Don't stop being excited about coming and getting in the word. Each and every week. Everybody with me? Let's look at the last movement. I got to hurry. We got to share the message of hope in the living God. But I'm gonna tell you this is good here. This here is really good. I'm taking my time. We alright, we're gonna be alright. All right, verse 34. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves, you yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism, which John proclaimed, you know of Jesus of Nazareth how God anointed him with the Holy spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil for God was with him. We are witnesses of all these things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day And granted that he come visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one whom has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness, sins. Preach, Peter, preach. <laughs> My boy, preach right there. Let me just say this. We have to be willing to share the message of the living God. Now, I know you might be thinking, preacher, you, you gave us all this exhortation and encouragement to connect our lives with unbelievers. Well, what are we going to talk about when we do that? I'm so glad you asked Can you you just catch Peter here for a minute? In verse 34, it says it's opening his mouth. Everybody see that? There's going to come a time that in these relationships, we have to open our mouths and we have to tell people. I know you might be shy, bashful. That's all right. We can work with that. Okay. But there's going to come a time where you have to be willing to share. So what in the world are you going going to talk about? Did you notice how boy Peter started? Peter started off by telling them what God was doing in his own life. Did everybody notice that? How do you know that? Look at what it says in verse 34. He says, he opened my mind. He says, I notice he starts with himself. I most certainly understand now that God is not, he's not showing any partiality. So he is telling, telling Cornelius and he's telling all those who are gathered. the first thing he does is he shares about what God is doing in his own life. The changes that he is making in his own life, the way in which he's working his own life. So can I just tell you, maybe whenever you had that lunch with that person that you know don't love Jesus, the first thing that you will do after you order your meal and you exchange pleasures. How your mama doing? How your baby doing? How everybody doing? We all lying. Everybody fine. No, no, they ain't. But after we get all that done. Then you just start sharing. Man, can I just tell you the other day I was in, you know, the word of God and it stood out to me. Now, they don't go to church. They might look at you like, you actually believe this? Yes. And so should you. <laughs> right. We're not asking for permission. We're just having a conversation. Right. They might look at you weird. I just know I have not always been saved. Whenever people would say, yes, I am. My prayer time, God, I'm like, hmm? you all right. You, you your medicine change. You, you good. But we have to be willing to tell the truth. And a great place is to start by telling them what God is doing in your own life, what you're learning. What you're learning. Share the word. All right. Now, I love what he says because he's going to start breaking down the message. And I'm going to hit this quick. I'm going to break down his message. He, sh- he shares that he recognizes God had changed him. He's recognizing that something is new and different. And after starting with what's happened in his life, he says this beautiful statement. Listen, the Lord shows no partiality. And he's talking about from a, from a Jewish Gentile perspective. He's saying, listen, God is not showing partiality. He's not showing partiality of any kind, but, but specifically he says, I'm understanding that the same God who is a God of Jews is the same God of the Gentiles. I'm understanding that now, but that shouldn't surprise us because guess what? We, 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 we got the whole book, right? Can I just read something to you? Y'all, y'all don't seem like y'all gonna get too upset. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Sometimes it's important to start with the end to know how we need to be operating right now. I like to say this, destination determines direction. We know where it's going, so this will tell us what we need to do in the meantime. Now, in Revelation 5, 9, it says this, and they sang a new song. Worthy are you talking about the lamb. Now, worthy are you to take the book to break his seal for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Can I ask you all a quick question? Who did that? OK, Jesus, I just want this is not ambiguous. This is not maybe that's Isaiah. No, this is very clear here. All right. You were slain and, you, and purchased for God with your blood. Who did he purchase? Somebody help me. Men from where? Every tribe. And and pe- every tribe, tongue, and pe- Wait, did you see what he said? And guess what else? And nation. Everybody see that? So the Bible is very clear here. In heaven, guess who's going to be there? Every tribe, nation, people, tongue, they're gonna be there. So for us, this is this is what we do. This is who we are. That might not be your experience at all of your life, but just understand this is what's going on. So we start, we look at the end because I believe destination determines direction and how we live our life right now. We recognize this. And so the next movement that he does, he said, listen, I'm just telling you right here. God is the one who has already established. This It's laid out in his word. No partiality. He's working and moving. Then he takes it a step further. And he says, uh, verse 36 the word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. Peace through who? Jesus Christ. That's the only way it comes. I don't know if you know that, but that's the only way it comes. Then he tells them he is Lord of all. So can I ask you a quick question? Uh, if he is Lord of all, how much is he Lord of? Oh, I just want to make sure. I just need to know who I'm talking to. The next movement is not that we just highlight the fact that God is, is, is working in all peoples, because that's what he says. He's going to go on, a, on a, little, a little move here and say, listen, every nation who fears God, people going to come and come to come to the Lord, every nation. But then he reminds him, listen, he is Lord of all. Even if you don't recognize it, even if you don't want to acknowledge it, it's still the case. And so can I tell you, whenever we start having our conversations, we start with what God is doing in our lives. We remind them of who God is and what he has done. But ultimately, we tell this world he is the Lord of everything. Can I just read you a passage in Colossians? Y'all don't seem to disagree, but Colossians 1.13. Colossians 1.13 through 20. Says this. For he rescued us from the demean of darkness and he, he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, catch this now. In whom we have what? Redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's good news. Tell us about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's not created, means he's higher than everything. He's got the top seat. For by him, catch it now, for by him, this Jesus, for by him, how many things were created? All things were created. Whereat? Both in the heavens and on earth, the person that you're talking to, they probably don't know this. They don't know that they have Jesus to thank as they biting into that sandwich that they love, and used to say, "Guess who made that? Plea? Just guess what? Guess who? Guess who?" They have no idea. He, he made it all, visible and invisible. Catch it now, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him. And guess what? <laughs> This is where we make our money right here. This is it. We are telling the world you have been experiencing him, his love, his grace, all this, and did not know it. What we are trying to help you recognize is there is a deeper way of understanding and knowing him. Can I illustrate it real quick? Uh, we, we love sports in, the, in here. Whenever your uh, favorite team, let's just say they, they make the last second bucket, right? And they win the game, last second bucket, right? And you at the house, ah, you hollering, right? You excited, all right? Can I just tell you? How about if the person who made the last second bucket is in your family? How you think you really feel it in? Does that take it a little de- a little, little deeper? But maybe, maybe he cousin, right? Or maybe she cousin. What if the son or daughter? You better you losing your mind running around that thing because of the connection of the intimacy. You, you can see things on the outside and enjoy it and see it. But whenever there's a relational connection, it deepens that thing in ways that you cannot explain. And so what we are telling the world around us is you, you've been, you don't understand. He is holding it all together and it's through him. But guess what? It is for him. And when you come into a relationship with him, it deepens that thing and it makes it beautiful. Let, let, just, let me keep reading that collage. Gonna go, let me cut, I'm not done. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Everybody, see that? He, he is also head of the body of the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that I mean, his resurrection is higher than all of the other ones. There are many people that came back from the dead, but none of them like Jesus, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness. To dwell in him. He is God. Don't let nobody tell you any different. And through him, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, understand who we're dealing with. I want to close the same way our passage closes out for us, because Peter's going into a gospel message. And what he does here, I want you to notice how he does it. In our text, he tells us first about Jesus' baptism. Verse 37, he tells us about his life. And I'm just looking at verse 38. And he says, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Everybody see that? For God was with him. Can I just tell you, whenever you think about our role here, how awesome would it be if we followed in our Lord's footsteps and we recognize that God has uh, has anointed us. He has given us power and he has he has done that so that we might do good to set people free from the oppression of the devil. Now, I know we everybody all sophisticated stuff don't believe about a person. But let me just tell you, don't let them fool you. The scripture is very clear here. And I believe that that is our role where God has called us to come through and to be used by him to see lives change and transform. And then our boy right here, Peter, he he preaches the gospel. He preaches the gospel and we'll see it. He's going to unfold it. He tells us in verse 39 about the fact that he died. That was the payment. You see, uh, Christianity is the only grace game in this whole world. Every other belief system is all works. It's based off what you do or what somebody does for you on your behalf. It's all works based. But what we have to recognize is by grace is what he's saying. It's a, it was the death. He, he died. Not only did he die, though, but that's not the end of the story. We get the rest of it. That that grace, that goodness, he has proved, verse 40, God raised him up on the third day. This is, I'm just giving you the content of the message. This is the gospel. Now, this is what we got to share to people around us so they'll know Jesus. He raised him up. On the third day, that ain't all the story, though. Look at verse 42. Why is that important? He has ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God to do what? As judge of the living and the dead. Everybody see that? There's a day of judgment that's coming. And can I tell you, our message as Christians, I've said it before, is to tell people that they need to settle outside of court because they're not going to win when they get in that courtroom. Settled outside of court. You see, this resurrection that has been proved, the one who came from the dead, this resurrection is a receipt, the proof. Now I want to close this way. This one conversation between Peter and Cornelius. It changed it changed the kingdom. The, the Gentiles are any all of us, anybody here Jewish that I don't know about. Let me know if, I, if, I, if you're not. I'm sorry. I didn't catch you. But it changed the whole kingdom. It changed everything. And I believe that this 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 moment right here is, I believe, the moment that sets in place for us how we should be living our lives and sharing and showing love and telling people about the Lord. and Seeing him do great things. You see, I believe it's got to be a grassroots movement. You see, Peter shared with one individual, and we're going to see here in just a minute, next week, what's going to happen. I got a cliffhanger one more time. But it's going to change the whole landscape of the movement of the gospel and the rest of the book of Acts. All I'm asking you, how about you? Are you willing? Are you willing to allow God to work in your life to be used by him? And the ups and the downs, the ins, outs, the challenges. Because he's already laid it out. It's right here for us. Are we willing to follow? Will you pray with me? Lord, we love you. And that we thank you and God as we go into this time of reflection and response. Lord, I'm just amazed at your. Your love. I'm amazed at your power. And Lord, I just believe that you want to use our lives to change many lives. The way you use Peter's life to work and move in Cornelius' life. God, I believe you want to do that over and over and over and over again. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone here they've never given that life to you, that Lord, they will surrender. And that Lord, they would be changed forever. That God, they will call out to you and say, Lord Jesus, save me, change me. Lord, I believe that by calling out to you in faith, just like what your word says, that everyone, they call out, though they will experience, they will receive forgiveness of sins. So, God, I pray you'd help us to be obedient. That, God, you'd help us to be faithful and trusting. Lord, as we go into this time of reflection response, pray, God, you'll have your way. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I hope God spoke to you during the message today. We want to know about it. You can fill out a connection card at wordbaptist.com slash connection card. We want to help you through any spiritual questions you may have while you're on this journey. You see, we believe that the first step is for a person to give their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that the greatest need that humanity has is to be saved, and that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. If you will agree with God, that you need Him for the forgiveness of your sins and you will turn to Him in repentance and believe in Him, uh, you will be saved. The Bible says that you do this by one believing that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead and that you believe that His payment is sufficient for you, and that you will call out to Him as Lord and Savior, and He will save you. If you're listening to the service and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come and be our guest during a time of worship. We have multiple services. We would love to meet you personally and have you here for worship. You can check us out at wordbaptist.com for service times. If you've missed any sermons, they're all archived there online, so you can go back and watch them. You can connect with us on social media at Word Baptist. If you would like to invest in the ministry and continuing the spread of the gospel, you can give online at wordbaptist.com give. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today, and I hope you've learned something that you can apply to your life, and we hope to see you again next time right here at Word Baptist Church.